You are listening to The 1% Christian, the daily Bible study where we get together for 1% of our day, we study God's Word, and then we head out to the remaining 99% to do something amazing with this life that He's given us. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio with Sound of Heaven Church in Deer Park, New York. I invite you to check us out at soh.church. I invite you to come and visit us. We would love to have you. Uh, Just hop in the car, you know, you're a couple hundred miles away, just start early, plan your visit, let us know you're coming, uh, but at least check out our live stream. We've got uh, great Bible studies during the week. We have this Bible study, of course, that I'm blessed to have you a part of, and on Sundays, we go ahead and stream our services. Okay, so, oh, and if you're listening, wherever you get your podcast, like, share, subscribe, leave a note, leave a message, turn on your notifications. We don't want you to miss anything. So Matthew chapter four, we're going to wrap that up today. And as if you've been following along, Jesus is in the wilderness or was in the wilderness. He's getting out of it right now. And uh, we're going to see him begin to launch his ministry in a big time way. But if you remember in Matthew chapter 3, God acknowledges him and says, This is my son with whom I'm well pleased and whom I love. And Jesus heads right into the wilderness to be tempted. One of the first ways that the enemy tempts Jesus or tries to derail Jesus's ministry is to attack his identity, right? He comes at him and says, If you are the son of God, and he's looking for a weakness in Jesus's game here. And he wants Jesus to doubt. And when we doubt ourselves and who we are in the eyes of God, it sets us up for a lot of other mistakes. But Jesus doesn't take the bait, right? The devil says, turn this bread, this stone into bread. And Jesus says, man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He quotes the same thing that Moses says to the Israelites. So Satan tries to use the word of God against Jesus. He goes and says, jump off this mountain because scripture says that he will protect you even if you dash your foot against the stone. And he's quoting Psalm 91. And Jesus turns around, puts it right back on him and says, it's also written, don't tempt the Lord your God. What the enemy was trying to get him to back away from is that God is a protector. He was trying to get Jesus to force God's hand and therefore, honestly, sin, commit the sin of doubt, the sin of saying, hey, God, you know, if you love me, prove it. Well, God already said, I love you. So asking him to prove it is not a healthy way to approach to God. Now, it's okay to go to God. It's even okay to, God can take it. But we have delay in our life when we don't acknowledge how much God loves us. And that's what the devil will try to do, right? That's what the enemy will try to do. And when I say enemy and devil and adversary, you could look at it one way. You could look at it as a, as a red guy with a, a pitchfork uh, that follows you around or sends minions after you. Or a lot of times our own mindset is, a, is a, an adversary to our life. We live and, you know, we go through these experiences. And what happens is, is we b- develop these mindsets that, that will hinder us and hold us back. So if you're one who constantly doubts God and, and every time something goes wrong, all of a sudden you are saying, God, are you even here? 
you're not the only one. The Israelites went through this as well. But what happens is it, when we begin to doubt God every time something bad happens, then we cause delay in our life. And the last way that the devil tries to derail Jesus is to get him to doubt God's plan. And he takes him up on the mountaintop again and shows him all the kingdoms. And he says, if you just bow to me, you can have all these things. And Jesus turns around and says, I worship God alone and I serve him alone. Paraphrasing a bit here, but he's again quoting what Moses tried to get through to the Israelites. And basically what happened was he resisted the devil and the devil fleed. And that's what it says in James 4, 7. It says, if you would submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. You'll see the things in your life that hold you back just begin to seem to run away from you. The reason that is, is that when you stand firm in God, doesn't mean you won't go through hardship, but you'll come through stronger at the other side. Jesus came out of the wilderness, as we'll see, stronger in his walk than ever before. So we're going to continue with Matthew chapter 4. We see what Jesus does when he comes out of the wilderness here. Uh, Let's uh, jump right in. Verse 12, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee. John the Baptist was arrested, and uh, he was arrested basically for going to uh, Herod and making accusations. We won't get into the full story because it's a bigger part of other gospels that we'll get into eventually. But John the Baptist, basically he's out of commission and Jesus is now in full swing. And if you remember, John kind of handed the baton off, not that, not that it was equal billing, uh, but John had done a lot of work in the region, preparing the hearts of the people. So now the fruit of that is going to be seen in the crowds as, as we see here. Verse 13, leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. Again, another fulfilled prophecy here written hundreds of years before land of Zebulun and, and land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Get to that in a second. The people living in darkness have seen great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. That was all uh, Isaiah there just being quoted. So the prophet Isaiah releases that, that the people of Galilee will see a great light. They would be living in darkness and see a great light. And we know Jesus is compared to, to the light. He is the light of the world. And then what does he do? He points to us and says, you are the light of the world. We'll get to that eventually as well. But verse 13, from that time, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So he continues with the message of what? Repentance. As he begins going into Galilee and Galilee was a region uh, it's a region a, a little bit it's, it's smaller than Connecticut, and it was highly, highly populated. Uh, Josephus writes that uh, I believe there were th- three million people uh, that lived in this area, the smaller than Connecticut. Um, 
204 villages estimated, each of them having 15,000. So Jesus goes from being completely isolated in the desert to basically hitting the crowds. And, and the prophecy was more timely here uh, that it would be called Galilee of the Gentiles, very high Gentile population. Gentiles were non-Jews, right? And Jesus enters this region and really starts to shake it up. I love what he does right off the bat is that he's not looking to do this on his own. Could he done it on his own? He's God. He could do anything. But he sought out people to surround himself with, to pass this along, realizing that if he was just the show when he was gone, who would carry it on, right? Uh, as Jesus was walking, this is verse 18, beside the Sea of Galilee, he, sa- he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen, highly uh, big population of fishermen who didn't do bad financially, uh, but they definitely weren't looked upon as, you know, uh, the upper echelon of society here. And it says, and he says to them, verse 19, come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and follow him followed him. So he says, follow me. And at once they left their nets and followed them. And what does he say? I will send you out to fish for people. He's he, Jesus does this all the time, right? You, if you ever wonder what God would have you do, sometimes all you need to do is inspect your life in the areas that you're in. And you may not like your job. You may not like the situation that you're in, but there are elements around you. There are things that you are good at, right? Just naturally gifts that you have. And those gifts can absolutely be used for the kingdom of God. To be a fisherman, you've got to have patience. You've got to be willing to be in it for the long haul. You've got to be willing to go days where it seems like what you're doing is not producing fruit. But when it does, it does. And you keep going and you don't give up. And I believe that this was a a big component to why Peter and a lot of these guys were so successful. Remember, we talked about uh, Matthew and how he writes this gospel so brilliantly. So he was so articulate. Well, he got that from from being a tax collector. You had to be those things. So ask yourself, what in your life, what do you display every single day that can be used for the kingdom of God? Amen. All right, let's continue here. And I want to point out also, he said, follow me. And at once they left their nets and followed him. Verse 21, going on from there, he saw two brothers, James and John, James, son of Zebedee and his brother, John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them and immediately, somebody say immediately, they left their boat and followed him. So we see that they follow him without delay. And it's a good thing that they do, right? Also notice this, it's always a choice whether or not to follow Jesus. And when he, when God encounters people, they're not just sitting around twiddling their thumbs often, right? David was tending to his father's sheep. Amos 
the prophet was farming. Matthew, tax collector, do about his business. Gideon was threshing the floor, right? Getting, trying to hide wheat and, and protect his region. And God appears to him. God will come to you in the busy times. That's why it's important to be in tune with him because it, he will call you away from what you're doing. But the things that you have been cultivating all that time will be put on display. God right now, even in the place, even if you're in a place that you really don't know why you're there, God is right now working situations to prepare you. So never begrudge where you are because your life right now is preparing you for what God is going to do tomorrow. There's nothing that is in vain with God. All things work together for the good of those who love the Lord. Amen. All right. So let's finish this off because Jesus goes to the individual. He is building a, a small army of men and we'll see women that will follow him from place to place. And that's uh, rabbis would do that as well, right? They would have a following of disciples who would go with them, who would learn from them, who would absorb from them. And we know from reading the new Testament, what's happening is Jesus is going to pass along what he has to them. And they're the ones that beyond the death and resurrection of Jesus, we're going to turn the world upside down. And in verse 23 says, Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So he go, starts going into these, this region and he's proclaiming the good news. And that good news is where we get the word gospel. That's literally what the gospel means. It is the good news. And it's a word, I believe I've taught on this before. I know I definitely have. I'm, I just can't remember whether it was here or not. Uh, but I'll say it again. The word gospel is not a Christian word. It was a word that was used all throughout the region, particularly with, the, with Rome and with Roman royalty. When there was a new Caesar that would come in, they would say they would give good tidings. They would say good news. They would say gospel. And the whole purpose was this new king was going to come and was going to be the savior of the region. You see what's happening here? So this is why they chose these words. I think it's a Greek word, eugelion. Chose this word to describe Jesus, which was somewhat offensive to the Romans and everybody at that time, because it's basically saying the a king is here. And then what happened was he's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. He's healing every disease and sickness among the people. And news spread about him all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. So the signs and wonders that Jesus is doing is starting to draw crowds. And here now we cap off Matthew's introduction. 
where we see the the genealogy of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. We see Jesus's early life when his father Joseph, his earthly father, his stepfather Joseph is taking him to places. We see the region in an uproar through Herod. And we see Jesus coming into his own and his ministry now. And now we're moving into a part of Matthew for the next couple days where uh, we're going to kick off the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to see five different books, five different books, I'm sorry. We're going to see five different teachings of Jesus. And we're going to see a lot in the middle of that, of how he dealt with people. And the whole time Jesus is showing them that the kingdom of God is here. And here is how you operate. So I'm excited to study with you now through the gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter five, where we start the sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever. And we're going to start that in just a couple of days. So coming out of this, as we are beyond our 1% now, Jesus went preaching the good news, but he took people with him. And the disciples said, I'm going to leave what I'm doing and I'm going to follow you. And my prayer for you is that you would have that boldness, that expediency, that uh, moment of, God, I'm going to follow you today. I'm going to pursue you today. I'm going to put everything else aside and I'm going to pursue you because scripture tells us we're going to get there in Matthew 6 that if you seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness, everything else gets added unto your life. Let's pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for this ability to study together, Lord God. Father, we just want to follow you. We know that you're calling us, Lord. I thank you for every single person that is listening to this podcast each and every day, Lord. Let them feel the call and the tug on their heart and let them decide today, Lord, I follow you. If that's you, just say, Jesus, I follow you today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. I'm Pastor J.D. Ambrosio, Sound of Evan Church. You're listening to the 1% Christian, where 100% starts with one. I'm enjoying studying with you. I'll see you in a few days when we start Matthew chapter 5. Love you guys.